All right, it's Eric Franson and AJ Salveson here on the Full Court Press. Now joining us from The Athletic, he's an NFL draft analyst and does a great work. You can find it on TheAthletic.com. It is Dane Brugler joining us here. Dane, thanks for your time. Of course, thanks for having me, guys. Hey, I know there's a lot to pick through in this regard to the NFL draft, one of the more unique ones for obvious reasons in NFL history. Uh, just Let's start from the top. The fact that this NFL draft is going to be held virtual and on time what is your personal opinion, personal thoughts on that? Well, I think initially when all this started happening, my, my initial thought was, let's push it back. You know, it, without having the pro days, without having these 30 visits, the workouts, uh, the chances for these players to go to team facilities, my first reaction was, let's push it back. You know, there's, there's really no reason why we need to rush this. But then as time went on and it became, uh, you know, reality that we probably won't have a, a normalcy to the to our lives for the foreseeable future, you know, at least for a few months. Um, you, you know, it, it, it just didn't make sense to move it back when even if you move it back a month, we probably won't be able to have workouts or team visits or pro days or anything like that. So if you can't find a way to fit those things in, then you might as well keep it, uh, keep the draft as is, uh, you know, it's, you know, whether it's the NFL trying to capitalize as the only show in town or, you know, the, uh, you know, the rainbow version of that is, uh, you know, it's, it's giving us uh, some type of sports in a world where there's currently no sports. So, you know, it's, it, it could be a positive. And so that's kind of how I'm looking at it. It's going to be tough from a logistics standpoint when you talk about these teams uh, being in different spots, uh, you know, trying to, uh, be on the same page, be organized. There's a uh, you know, potential for some type of uh, disaster there when you're talking about technology and people's homes and uh, teams trying to uh, coordinate everything, especially, uh, you know, the teams that, you know, Bill Belichick and the Ravens and, you know, the, the good drafting teams will be fine. But teams that have a new front office, uh, maybe just had some turnover, first year general manager, whatever it is, communication is going to be key and something that might not be worked out yet. So there is a potential for uh, some, some disaster here. But, uh, you know, all things considered, uh, you know, I, I think I, I don't blame the NFL for, uh, you know, bringing or keeping the draft on schedule and, you know, playing it out the best we can. Dane, I don't know if you can classify this by any spe- uh, specific player, but maybe it's type of player or groups of players. Who has impacted the, the, perhaps the worst not being able to have a pro day on their campus? Yeah, that, that's a good question because it's certainly part of, uh, you know, the, the, the narrative of this draft is, you know, it, it's just, it's unprecedented. It's just different than we usually do things. And the NFL scouts, uh, the, the whole process is a routine. And, you know, when you break out of that routine, it, things change. And, uh, I think especially when you talk about, um, you know, these quarterbacks, a guy like Tua Tagovailoa, uh, you know, it, it, he doesn't have his pro day. Uh, the medical rechecks are very different. Um, you know, we had the combine, thankfully, where, you know, each team or each player that was at the combine had a chance to go through the medical process. So we have medicals, but those are from over a month ago now. So what are, you know, what, how do teams do Tua and their risk appetite for a player that struggled to stay healthy. And, you know, would, if we had the 30 visits, if we had the pro day, would that change your opinion at all? Uh, you know, it's hard to say. Uh, there are some players, you know, I think of A.J. Epinesa from Iowa, who basically had a disaster combine um, in terms of the way he worked out, the numbers that he put up. 
Uh, I mean, at uh, 275 pounds, 6'5", 275, he was over five in a uh, 40-yard dash. Uh, the rest of his drills did not go well. He doesn't have a pro day to improve those numbers. So uh, next to his card will be 504 uh, for his 40-yard dash instead of getting that to in the 4'8", uh, which I'm sure he would have done at the pro day. Uh, a guy like Jedrick Wills from Alabama, who has been a right tackle his entire uh, entire life, high school, college, only a right tackle. I think he's the best tackle in this draft. But questions about can he move over to left tackle? We don't even have the chance for. If I'm a team, I, I can't send my offensive line coach to go work him out one on one and just line him up as a left tackle. See, you know, muscle memory wise, and uh, just you know, left handed, right handed. Can he make that transition? I can't even have my offensive line coach, uh, you know, tell me his opinion on that because of this. So I think several players have been affected. Um, you know, we have all the tape. We have a lot of information. There's still value to be gained from pro days and these visits. Do you think guys that I'm thinking specifically or closer to home here for us at Utah State University, where there's going to be a lot of attention that Jordan Love was going to have a certain gravity about him, people were going to come check him out, but there are other players on that roster that would have been able to get some extra looks because just by their very nature they were going to be in the building. Uh, there's some guys on the fringe that are really going to be hurt because of these pro days didn't happen. Sure, and that's definitely part of it. There are times where scouts, team, they'll go to a pro day to watch someone specific, and all of a sudden someone else jumps out at them. You know, that happens all the time. And, you know, listening to Joe Burrow, he was uh, distraught over not having the pro day. And it wasn't because he needs it. He's going number one overall. He was disappointed for uh, all of his teammates because he knew the crowd that, you know, LSU always gets, but especially with Joe Burrow uh, planning the throw at the pro day. And he understands what that would have meant for, uh, you know, the guys he would have been throwing to, you know, Stephen Sullivan or Derek Dillon or uh, George, or Justin Jefferson, some of these guys. But unfortunately, without that, uh, you know, it, it's, it's it's an opportunity that's taken away. And the same thing would have been true with Jordan Love, whether that would have helped, you know, a Mariner or, uh, you know, any, even if someone that he wasn't throwing to, someone on the defensive side of the ball still would have got bodies to the pro day. And, it, it would, you know, that, that's all you can ask for if you're uh you know one of these fringe draftable guys or fringe you know, even getting a shot type of guy you just need eyes you need eyeballs on you and that's your shot you know make the most of it and see what happens so uh it, it is unfortunate uh that that's i think one of those lingering effects that we don't talk about enough as uh one of the disadvantages for these players that didn't get a chance to go to the combine um and the biggest thing that's going to hurt them is not with no medicals that's where the 30 visit, that's a big part. Uh, usually every year we have 35-ish non-combine guys get drafted every year. This year it might be single digits. And the biggest reason is because we don't have updated medical information uh, like we do, uh, like we would in a normal process because uh, a lot of non-combine guys uh, make up some of those 30 visits where teams can perform the medical process at their own facility. Um, so it's, it's part of the process that, unfortunately, is going to hurt some of the lesser-known players. New England Patriots head coach Bill Belichick on a conference call today said, quote, in regards to the QB draft class, it's one of the more interesting groups and probably one that has a decent depth to it. I know there's one specific quarterback we're focused on here in Cash Valley, but what are your thoughts overall on the QB class for 2020 in the NFL draft? Definitely interesting, and there's I think there's something for everybody, uh, depending on what you want. And, you know, I, it's, it's really interesting to see how, obviously, Joe Burrow, he's going one. 99.9% sure that is going to happen. Um, it'd be a complete shock if it doesn't. 
Uh, and then Tua is a wild card. You know, we just kind of touched on him, how just the medicals, not every team is has the appetite for risk for a, a player like that. Uh, you know, Justin Herbert is a high-floor player that looks great on paper, yet something just seems to be missing in his evaluation that you kind of you're concerned about. Jacob Eason, Jake Fromm, total polar opposites here. You know, Jacob Eason's your big, strong-armed quarterback uh, who, you know, a, a few minor uh, questions about his maturity. And then you have Jake Fromm, who is undersized, doesn't have a huge arm, does not a great athlete, but the football IQ, uh, X's and O's wise, the accuracy off the charts. And so just very, very opposite. Uh, you know, I'm very intrigued by Anthony Gordon from Washington State. He's taken that Gardner Minshew uh, path to the NFL, one year as a starter. But how does he do outside of Leach's system? We don't really have a sample size for that. Minshew has done fairly well, much better than people thought in Jacksonville. But can Anthony Gordon do the same thing? James Morgan's one of my favorite uh, day three quarterback targets from FIU. James Luton from Oregon State turned himself into a draftable player. Uh, you know, I think he's going to come off the board somewhere uh, on day three. And then there's a bunch of borderline guys. Uh, Cole McDonald from Kauai, Nate Stanley, Iowa, uh, Lewerke from Michigan State, uh, Cole Montez, or Stephen Montez from Colorado. So I, I think that this quarterback class has a little bit of something for everybody. And even in, in every round, there's a guy you could look towards as uh, someone with promise and someone that you can see making it. Dane Brugler of The Athletic, he's an NFL draft analyst, joins us here on the Full Court Press. Dane, Jordan Love specifically, you have your ears close to the train tracks, you know and see what's going on, you hear what's going on. What are NFL scouts' uh, thoughts on Jordan Love, worries, concerns, and so forth? I, I keep coming back to how fascinating it is, you know, if we switched his 2018 and 2019 seasons, you know, if we did that and He's coming off a year where he had a 32 to six touchdown interception ratio, and he played. You know, he also had seven rushing scores. You know, we don't talk enough about that too. He didn't have any this past year. We don't talk enough about, uh, or you know, just how interesting it would be if he had that season in 2019 and not 2018. Uh, but instead, he loses all of his. Uh, you know, the coaching staff is gone. Only one returning starter on offense. Um, you know, you could tell how much he was pressing. Uh, because he felt like he needed to with the talent around him. Uh, he felt like he needed to with all NFL eyes on him, uh, being already he was projected as a first-rounder in the summer. So, you know, I think that, that's part of the equation here. And, you know, talking to people around the league, it's, I get a lot of the same thing is we really like him. I just have yet to heard some, hear someone say we love him. And that's, I think, the big, that's the big question. Who loves him enough? to draft him somewhere in the top 40 picks. And I think that's where we where we believe he's going to be drafted. It's just, is he, where is he going to go? And it's tough when you're doing a mock draft. Uh, you know, the Colts are no longer picking at 13. The Bucks at 14 are not going to draft a quarterback. Would the Raiders pull the trigger there? Uh, the Patriots are in an interesting spot. Uh, could we see a trade-up? You know, the Colts are picking early second round. Could they uh, dip their toe back into the first round and maybe take Jordan Love there? So there's, there's so many interesting spots uh, where he could, could end up, where it would make some sense. I, just, I don't think there's that obvious landing spot where, yeah, that, that, that makes too much sense for it not to happen. How much in these conversations that you have with NFL teams going through over the years as you've been doing this, how – I don't know the right way to ask this, but how often do they use members of the media to throw off the scent for the other teams that may be looking at a guy? Yeah, it happens. Um, you know, I, I think that because uh, you have a lot of people out there that any, 
anything you tell them, they, they put it out there, um, you know, on social media or, or whatever. I mean, I, I, I do things a little different because I don't, I don't consider myself, you know, a, a, a newsbreaker. I mean, I, I probably talk publicly about maybe 10% of what I hear just because I know not all of it's true and it might not happen that way. A lot of it won't happen that way. Um, you know, it's, I, I can tell you that uh, I'm not saying this is true, but I could say that the Colts love Jordan Love. They love him, love him. And then, you know, they end up drafting, uh, you know, Jake Fromm because maybe they just loved him a little bit more. Uh, so, you know, it, it's something that in the draft season, it's, there, there's a lot of talk, a lot, you hear a lot of things. And I've been doing this long enough where I, I have a certain, you know, network of people that I trust that have not failed or steered me in the wrong direction before. So I, I trust what they say, but it does absolutely happen. Smoke screen, um, you know, stuff is purposely said or purposely put out there. And it's not just teams, it's agents. It's, uh, you know, it's a lot of people who have an agenda for one reason or the other. And that helps create narratives for players, quote unquote, falling or rising. And it's just, it's kind of a fascinating development that uh, happens uh, this time of year. Again, we're talking to Dane Brugler. He's an NFL draft analyst for The Athletic and uh, updated uh, mock draft today that just dropped on The Athletic. And uh, notice Jordan Love is not the only Utah State player that you have potentially getting drafted. David Woodward going in the seventh round to the to Washington. What do you see there? Yeah, and honestly, this, whether or not Woodward gets drafted, I think just comes down to the medicals. Um, you know, he, he was a player who... He was hurt in uh, in high school. He had a, a two cracked vertebrae. Uh, you know, missed basically his entire junior year. Uh, and then uh, when he goes to Utah State, he had a, a terrific 2018 season, and then looked great at the start of the 2019 season. Uh, and then unfortunately, he missed uh, with the final six games due to injury. So this might just be a medical pick. If the doctors sign off, I think he's getting drafted. If they don't, then it's just more complicated to see what happens with him. But you love him as a tackler. Uh, I mean, this guy is a magnet to the football. Um, he understands football geometry. He finds a way to get to the football. Tackling machine, not going to wow you. I mean, solid size, not great. Solid speed, not great. Um, but I, I think that you know his ability as a tackler, his ability to break things down, trust his instincts, unlock and go uh you know he doesn't overthink things he he understands what the offense is doing and he reacts i think that's certainly going to help him uh and it, and it might uh, get him a shot uh, at the very least on special teams but you know the medicals that's going to be the key to his draft stock you're also really high on another linebacker from the mountain west that's uh, logan wilson uh from wyoming mm-hmm. and you think he's going to be trading one cowboy uniform for another yeah, I think he'd be a natural fit in Dallas with uh, uh, linebacker is a sneaky need for uh, for the Cowboys, and so I think Logan Wilson in the third round. I know I know they but uh, they've shown interest in in Logan Wilson, um, and so I think in the third round that would make some sense that pairing. I don't think Logan Wilson gets talked about enough. Uh, this is a, a player who is a corner in high school. He moves the linebacker when he goes to Wyoming, and all he turns into a four year starter three-year team captain, had 421 tackles in his career. Uh, he's just a guy that is easy to like. I mean, he might be the best tackler in the draft. He has a, such a high batting average as a tackler because of his breakdown skills, uh, his understanding of how to wrap and finish. Uh, he can drop in space. He can blitz. Uh, just, there's so much about him I like. 
I don't know that he's ever going to be a Pro Bowl type of player, but I think he's just going to be a solid linebacker for a long time in the NFL. Uh, he, he should be a day two player, uh, so he should be off the board somewhere. Uh, not Thursday night, not Saturday, but on, on Friday, that uh, second, third round range. Hey, we, we've heard a lot about, uh, we've already discussed this uh, deep group of, of quarterbacks in this year's draft, but we're also hearing a lot about a very deep, very talented group of wide receivers uh, in mm-hmm. this year's draft. And how does that how does that maybe push down some other uh, categories of players that maybe uh, you, you would normally see get drafted a little bit higher in the draft? Well, and it might be receiver as well. And what I mean by that is a team, say they're picking in the first round, you know, they really like, uh, you know, a Justin Jefferson or, or a Brandon Ayuk or a Denzel Mint, but they know that the receiver position will stretch a little bit. So maybe they draft an offensive tackle in the first or an edge rusher because they know that receiver, uh, they can find one that they like in the second or third round. So because of that, uh, and then just the sheer volume of talent, we're going to see first-round receivers going to second, second-round receivers going to third, and so on and so on. Uh, and I think there's going to be plenty of teams that get really good value in this receiver class because of that. Uh, it's, it, on average, we have about 12.5 receivers uh, going to top 100 picks. Right, good luck trying to limit a list of 12 names that belong in the top 100. It's hard to do that with 15. I mean, you there are 20 uh, receivers in this class that uh, have an argument to go in the top 100 picks, uh, but they're not all going to fit in there. And I, I think this receiver class is really interesting that way. Uh, just, you know, who's going to decide to go receiver early? Who's going to decide on to try and wait and gamble a little bit to find value later on? Uh, just such a stacked position. It's going to be uh, interesting to see how it plays out. Dane, with COVID-19 affecting as much as it has the sports world, do you, th- do you think that college football and NFL will start on time or there will be a delay? You can only hope. You know, I mean, I don't think we know what next week looks like. And so it's just it's hard to say. Um, I, I sure hope so. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't know you know, what the new normal is going to be in this country. Um, you just, you hope that uh, we're, a, I think sports is a big part of that, um, it, you know, in, in terms of getting us back to some semblance of normal. And so for that to happen, you know, there has to be sports. And, it, you know, you just hope that we get there. Uh, and will it start with baseball uh, this summer? Will the NBA look to do something? Um, you know, I think that those sports are going to have to make a decision before college football. And so, that might be dependent on what those other sports decide to do. That's kind of how college football is going to take a look. And so, uh, you know, we just we don't know enough about what next week's going to bring, so I can't even imagine thinking about, uh, you know, three, four months from now. But I sure hope so because it's, uh, you know, aside from, you know, my personal bias about, you know, this is what I do for a living, and, you, you know, <laughs> job-wise, career-wise, you just don't know. So, obviously, you know, I hope football's back, but, you know, I just could not imagine a, a fall uh, in in this country without college football. It'd be uh, it'd be really unfortunate. Hey, by the way, you're a barbecue expert. What's your go-to on the uh, barbecue pit grill? Uh, I'm a uh, beef ribs or brisket. Uh, I mean, just all you need is salt and pepper. Add a, you know, let the beef sing, and you know, add some smoke to that baby, and uh, <laughs> you do it right. There's nothing better. Uh, I mean, it's just that's. That's as good as you're going to get. Put it on low and slow. Keep it simple, huh? That's that, absolutely. I, you let the beef be the star of the dish, and just yeah, crank up the flavor a little <laughs> bit with that salt and pepper. No sauce needed. I just add some smoke to it, and um, yeah, low and slow. Let it go. You know, if you're doing a brisket, then yeah, let it go for 
you know, 14, 15 hours if you need to or longer. Beef ribs, uh, it's, it's, it's a little easier. Uh doesn't take as long, but, man, the payoff, uh, so good. Man, my mouth's already salivating. Uh, I'm, uh, now I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> salivating for uh, food and salivating for college football. And thank you so much. Dane Brugler, the athletic draft NFL draft analyst. Really, really good stuff, Dane. Thank you so much, and we'll see you again soon. All right, anytime. Thanks, guys.